everyone, and welcome to A Gem of a Secret Podcast. My name is Donatella, my secrets. And my name is Coco Gem Holiday. How are you doing today, Coco? Uh, it's like the season of justice for me right now. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really good, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in the midst of my drag break, officially now. I don't have any more gigs for a long, long time. How's that going? Uh, fantastic. Um, and define a long, long time. I like a month. <laughs> <laughs> like a month but um i know i performed this last weekend and oh gosh it was heartbreaking yeah um because i didn't make a lot of money and Mm -hmm. like it was just really hard to justify doing those gigs and i didn't make any money it was so heartbreaking yeah um but no i'm uh, it's good i'm really excited that i'm gonna get to have some time off and good and spend it with my husband and watch some movies and whatever yeah yeah. I, um, being back on Facebook, we talked about this, I think, last episode. Yeah. I have realized my tolerance for bullshit is zero uh, anymore. Yeah. It used to be the unfollow button that mm-hmm. I would click when I saw bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's just block. <laughs> I, I am really heavy handed on that block button when I see fucking stupidity up on my timeline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, you're just, Facebook's like, wow, she's blocking a lot of phones. I don't care. Yeah, like, it's like, it's like the algorithm is so messed up on Facebook. Like Facebook, once you like, I don't understand why the algorithm is a hundred people have liked this post that you're somewhat associated with, uh-huh. but it's a post that you're just like, oh, this is garbage. Yeah, and you're just like, come on, Facebook, I'm not the person who needed to see this. Well, that, or I'll have someone come up on my timeline that's just saying some stupid shit that's from Grand Junction, mm-hmm. and I'm like, how do I know you again? Like, who are you? Like, yeah. and it's not even like, it's not even like, oh, I moved to the city, and now I'm too big for everyone. It's like, I actually genuinely don't know who the fuck you are and how you ended up on my friends list. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, actually, it's, uh, wow, this is funny. It's actually Grand Junction's Pride this week. I saw that. Yeah, because apparently Facebook algorithms thought I really needed to see that. Yeah, yeah. And and so I did, I, I did look at it, and um, and one of my friends messaged me and was like, hey, it's Pride this week. And I was like, okay, cool. Natalie? No. Uh, I haven't, gosh, I haven't talked to her in so long. I'm trying to talk to her. No, uh, I was looking at their week of events and things like that, and I just wanted to see if they were bringing out any Rue girls or something like that. But, you know, they're they're not, obviously. Or they might be. I don't really know. But I, I, I don't know. Like, we were so heavily involved for a long time. So, like, I don't know. It was, like, interesting to look at. But I wasn't, like, I didn't really have an emotional response to it, per se. Other than just, like, why is this here? It was weird seeing the whole, like, Monarchs event and knowing that I, like, removed myself from that Facebook group after, <laughs> after I had my, like, issues with them. But, yeah, it was... A little strange because we did normally have a really big part in it mm-hmm. in previous years and yeah that's always hard for me that's really hard for me to kind of revisit all of that because it left such a like bad taste in my mouth right leaving all of that um and how it ended the way that it did you know mm-hmm. i made that whole video talking about how CWP doesn't treat their local entertainers well. And hopefully that's, hopefully that's changed, but I also don't really care. No. Well, and well, cause the other thing too, is it takes more than one person to defeat the system, right? Like it couldn't yeah. just be you saying the same things over and over and over again. And there were a lot of Queens that had my back when that video came out. Yeah. But I think over time, 
when you leave a place, people, you know, will fill in and, you know, I, I think especially in a small community like that too, it's just like people, I want there to be a successful pride and I want there to be these queer events where they can really be happy and celebrate queerness and, and what it means to be that in a smaller city. But at the same time, treat your entertainers better, right. treat the people, treat your talent better, treat the people who are the ones that continually support and promote these events so much better because it was it was bullshit honestly for, and for many years it was bullshit and i think the entertainers there know that i i honestly don't know how they couldn't at this point yeah like i, I agree and i i think that that's a really i know that i still have a lot of baggage from that place and whatever mm-hmm. and uh how i left cwp was obviously really toxic and horrible in mm-hmm. every account of the word and i think Honestly, I think the city's better without us there. I, I think, think so we rock the boat too much like, to like give people their joy and happiness. Yeah, like we were just trying to do the best we could, and it just always bothered the out of people. Yeah, like, and so maybe like that's great that they're not having anybody in their way to do all the opportunities that they want to do. Yeah, yeah, because like I can't even think about a person who would be antagonistic with the group that's left. No, like I, in that sense, I can't really. I mean, yeah, some. Yeah, that's true. I think some real, like, messed up shit would have to go down for anyone to really, like, rock the boat or or kind of do what I did. But... Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot to ask, what are you wearing this uh, evening? Well, I just want you to know that I'm a messy bitch. <laughs> oh, God. I like, I like drama and scamming. <laughs> so I have my little short blonde bob on and a fur coat because I'm... Uh, Donna the scammer tonight. <laughs> I guess I can see it. <laughs> um, I don't actually like drama and scamming. I'm just it's a Joanne the scammer reference. <laughs> and scamming and yeah. Uh gosh. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um so I'm wearing an evening gown that's made of all gold with wings. Mm. Um I was just feeling really fancy. Oh, okay. Um I do have my hair in curls and I am smoking a cigarette, but oh. um I'm only doing it incredibly slow and they're skinny cigarettes. Oh nice. Regardless of the tobacco usage, it's still much classier than what I decided to go with tonight yeah i don't i don't think we we got the text from each we other didn't. About the we're we're going <laughs> to two very different parties <laughs> so in this episode in today's episode we don't actually have an interview um intentionally because there's been a lot of stuff going on in the world that we haven't been able to give our two cents on yeah like, and although this is a drag podcast we want to be with the times and we want to talk about current events and what's going on in the world yeah, so um, the first thing that I wanted to talk about was Elijah McClain. Um, and if you're not up to date on that, uh, we'll pause for a second as you go to Google and do your due diligence to figure out about black issues. And we're back. So, yes. uh, <laughs> so Elijah McClain was that black kid who was... Um, he was, like, walking home from, I think, a convenience store? Yeah, I think is what it was. he was getting a, a drink for... I think one of his family members walking home from a convenience store. This was previous to the pandemic, but he was yeah. wearing a black ski mask because he had a, a medical condition where he was, he would be very cold. Yeah. So he wore face coverings to keep warm. Right. And it's in Colorado. Which cold. gets really cold. Yeah. 
Um, and so he, the cop stopped him, obviously, not obviously, but kind of obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, he was, the way that he was acting was more like, you know, just trying to like be friendly with them, kind of joking around, trying to be kind. And they were doing the whole thing of like, you look like somebody, where are you going? Mm-hmm. What's this? Like, why are you wearing this? And like, whatever. And he was trying to like, just play it off as like, you know, this isn't happening to him and, and whatever. And then of course it got out of hand. They roughed housed him really bad actually for no reason. There's a recording of his last pleas to them as they were doing this. Um, we do have an entire episode about this yeah. instance. Yeah, uh, so definitely go back and listen to it. Uh, the reason I'm bringing it up today is because on September 1st, um, it does turn out that... Because actually when this first happened, actually, the cops kind of got away scot-free, mm-hmm. which was actually really alarming Yeah, um, that that happened. Um, but now it looks like, obviously, with all the charge and energy, especially with the BLM protest and everything, it kind of came back around. Mm-hmm. And so the paramedics and the police officers... I think that their charges have been brought against them. Yeah, it for McLean's death because that was the end result in this. He yeah. was administered a lethal dose of ketamine by the paramedics that were on scene, and also he was put into a chokehold by the police. And unfortunately, Elijah ended up passing away because of that. Yeah. So Attorney General Phil Weiser said all five officers and paramedics were charged with manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide. Um, while some other, well, while some also face additional charges. Yeah. And good. Yes. Very good. Yeah. What like we need? I just saw on TikTok today um, because I got I got back on Black TikTok because Black TikTok is amazing. It's great. Um, and there was this one, and I didn't get any of the details yet, but it's like this guy walking down the street, and he has his phone out because I guess the cops had circled like once or twice or something, is kind of what it sounded like from what I heard in the video, but he, he walks up and the guy was like, Hey, like, are you Kevin? And the guy's like, no. And the guy, and the, the person in the car was like, well, what's your name? He's like, I don't have to give you my name. And so the person gets out, it turns out it's an officer. Um, and so, and then the guy goes, he's like, all right, here we are to step two, like the black guy holding the phone. Mm-hmm. And the officer's like, well, what's step two? Like this part. He's like, this is the part we're talking mm-hmm. about. And so the officer was getting his face. He's like, where are you going? What are you up to? Blah, blah. And he's like, you can have your phone out. You can have your phone out. I can have my phone out, too. And, like, the cops just harassing him. And then his partner gets out and just looks mortified, to be honest. Just mortified. And so he's just trying to get his name and address what he's doing, where he's going. And the guy just keeps asking, why are you you stopping me? Why are you asking me questions? Why are you stopping me? Why are you asking me questions? And the officer never answered. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, like, really alarming. And then so the guy finally just, like, ends up walking away and whatever. Uh... And it was. It was just like a whole routine stop that I've experienced myself in Grand Junction. And yeah. I, <laughs> and it's just because that's literally what happened to Elijah McClain. Yeah. Like, just Elijah McClain wasn't even being antagonistic. It was a, an life. encounter with law enforcement that so many times with black men and women end in horrible situations like this. And also... Speaking of TikTok, I was reminded how much this really affected me when I first saw it because there's this video of Elijah coming in where his coworkers are surprising him with a birthday, like a luau themed birthday. Mm-hmm. And 
he is just like the most quirky like genuine person and he was like so happy to have these people there for him and it's like moments like that that are frozen in time that just like it breaks your heart to see stuff like that Mm -hmm. um and every time i see the video come up on my for you page it just like it makes me cry because he was like just this like sensitive genuine person who played his violin for cats at shelters and they he had this terrible like horrific scary end and i it's never in all the instances that this happened it never sits well with me but because there is so much footage of him and like just instances of him living his life and like being human and and being like quirky and different like it just like for some reason it sorry i'm like choking up a lot it really um it really like affects me and like gets to me every time i see it yeah it's it's because you brought this story to me on that um and we did talk about it on that previous podcast uh but the one thing about this story is it actually has been the story that stuck with me the longest on top of the Charleston shoot. It happened where you are from. Yeah. It happened where I I was from. I am from and in Aurora, Colorado. And this story, it's just because it feels like it's mine. That's the thing. Like when I interact with police officers, I'm a little bit standoffish, but I try to joke to make, to like ease attention and stuff like that. And I just, I keep thinking to myself over and over again about how, that story is literally any black person, that one. Any, That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Then, like, and it also hurt my heart because me and Donna did participate in the BLM protests here in Oregon where um, Elijah McClain's name wasn't always Around. on the signs. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, which I thought was heartbreaking. Not, not that I'm trying to judge in how anybody does their demonstrations. It's just that that kid is, and there's also no such thing as a perfect victim, right? Um, yeah. But that kid was minding his own business and trying to just be quirky with the officers and just the way that he seemed like he was. Mm-hmm. And he lost his life because of it. And I can never... That's the one that definitely sticks with me. And the Charleston shooting sticks with me because of... There was a line... Uh, and if you all don't know about that, that's where Dylan Roof came into a black church of nine individuals... Um, and then he murdered them all. Yeah. That's literally what happened. I mean, there's no other in-betweens with that. What happened with that, the reason that one sticks with me is there was a line in an article from someone that read, when he came in, he sat down, or no, I think he said it, that he almost backed out of doing it because when he came in, everybody was being so welcoming and kind to him. Yeah. Like, that kills me to my soul that hurts so much yeah on top of the fact that they were able to once again i don't i don't know if it was dylan roof or not and i'm sorry if i misspeak but like somebody they brought to get like food before taking him to jail i can't remember i think it was him i'm not sure but the cops arrested him easily like mm-hmm. there was like no roughing him up beating him up or anything yeah. like that it was all easy going like there never is when it's a white male i know but like and i and yes i know and also uh so he did get nine this is this happened on august 25th so still recent august 25th 2021 it says the article reads uh that his death sentence is being upheld um, he did get uh, nine consecutive life sentences. As he should. As he should. Um, and 
his life is over and regardless his life is over regardless if they give him the needle or if he spends the rest of his life in jail but all of those people because my mom my grandmother was also a woman who would have been a person that would have been in that church in that kind of church yeah and it just i don't know it's like a really heartbreaking story can i tell you something that still gets to me today i posted this online which now that you're back online i don't know if you follow my stuff but i said what's a positive or negative thing that somebody close to you has said that has just like stayed with you no matter what it was yeah there actually is one i didn't post online my ex-husband's sister when i posted in grand junction about the charleston shooting she said um she her comment was well i don't understand why like y'all don't think it's racist that it was a black church is what she said and i and i and i wrote to her and i said historically black church like yeah. historically black colleges yeah what it means is it doesn't not let white people in like he said in the article he felt super welcomed there. yeah it's just historically black because in those times like to get away from police brutality like black people would go to church to like keep themselves alive and safe and their communities mm-hmm. like there's communities historically black colleges are also communities you know that fostered black people when other schools wouldn't even take them well and how are people not understanding that there are black spaces that exist for people to celebrate community and celebrate similar experiences like how i it just baffles me it's like how fucking into and of course that's the grand junction mentality like white grand junction mentality like mm-hmm. oh if if it's not allowed for me then you know like obvious it's reverse racism it it's like reverse sh- racism. it's like shut the fuck up yeah like, like it, it and because even in grand junction there there is technically a, a historical black church mm-hmm. um that does have a lot of white people that go to mm-hmm. it of course um, but it's been around for, I think it was built in 1904. Mm. Um, it's been around for, actually, earlier than that, I think. And sorry for getting the dates wrong, folks. It's been a long time since I've cared about that history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, that church existed there to give the same safety and comfort, like potlucks in communities. Like, I remember they're like, they used to have five, I think they said five black families would get together and just like cook and eat and, you know, commiserate and feel safe and welcomed in their communities. Same with these stories here and so I know that when I'm around other black people I went to a uh, protest here and a protest after another a horrible incident and I remember like the speakers um, were just making so much space and room for people and there was a lot of course a lot of white people Portland is very white don't get me wrong but there was a lot of diversity in the audience and a lot of white people and everybody was absorbing the information about about these incidents that keep happening in our community and it was such an uplifting experience like even in activism there's a sense of community and I love all those pieces of it and I really wish that people would just take a second like take a beat and just recognize that getting involved and being a part of these stories and knowing what's happening in your community can make it to where you can be a little bit more empathetic when people tell you something that happens right like when I get pulled over by the police it's never comfortable yeah um and when i have to call the police it's never comfortable and most people out there would say well it's not comfortable for anyone but like i am also thinking about like sandra blanding 
like wanting to know if I'm gonna survive this encounter. Yeah, you're also wondering if like one little thing you do could lead to ending your life. Exactly. And yeah. And I just really wish that people understood that for what it meant and how we are as people. Um, one thing I wanted to say on this podcast before we jump into um, our next segment is I've called the Portland police, because I work at a bar, I've called the Portland police uh, a number of times now. 911, not dispatch. Um, and I think I told this to Donna. Uh, there's hold music. Um, you go directly into a hold music queue. The first time I called them, I was on hold for like maybe, I don't know, like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that just must be because I'm getting like put through to dispatch. The second time I called them, um, it, I was on hold for a long while. Um, and then the third time I called them, um, when that girl like pulled out a gun, mm-hmm. um, like I was on hold relatively short, but I think it was only like two minutes. But that yeah. two minutes, like that situation escalated beyond the point of no return. Yeah. Um, and what really sucks about that, especially for how woke Portland is, is if you put me on hold, like when people, especially black people, call the police, it's because they've tried every other method to not call the police. Yeah. Especially in this woke-ass city. So are you telling me that like now I have to wait on hold for X number of time like before you before I actually get through to a person? Then I have to, have to wait for them to show up. Mm-hmm. Like... All of that time is, like, lives could be lost. Yeah. And I just really want our listeners, especially the ones in Portland who have never called, to know that. That if you get into trouble, you should probably call them. If you need to call the police, you should probably call them sooner than you think you might need to because you might be on hold for a for a while. while. Like, yeah. some, think about it. Somebody broke into your home. And you're, like, calling 911 from underneath your bed. Mm-hmm. And you get put into a 20-minute hole queue. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Well, I think also there's a bit of apathy with the Portland police because they are angry that they had a summer of protests against them and they feel like maybe maybe some of them feel like they don't need to like follow through with all the work that they're doing. And that is really shitty. Um, That makes it to where situations like what you were talking about can escalate quicker could lead to loss of life and we don't have first responders trying to help people out in these dangerous situations yeah um and i think it's just a big case that we need more resources put in towards not only like protecting citizens but also like mental health resources there needs to be there needs to be a solution because right now like the lawlessness is it's dangerous obviously yeah um, the gun violence is on the rise. It is. But we also need to make sure that we are putting money into the right resources and having properly trained first responders at these instances. Mm-hmm. Whether it whether it is a, a police person that's that's on on the scene or we have mental health advocates, like there needs to be p- proper training and there let's just say it like i've said so many times like police need the same amount of schooling as any other professional job where you're dealing with people's lives you know yeah like it's it's ridiculous the reason why we have these instances happen is because we have untrained individuals on the fucking job and we're sitting here in this world where no one is really doing anything about it and it's enough to kind of drive you mad it is like because somebody who has to like like i do agree 
like medical careers take a long time mm -hmm. to complete, but you can just go to the police academy with one or like what is it one year or even like a six month program yeah or something like that. Like I don't, I don't agree with the police academy. I do believe in schooling. I do heavy de escalation training. Heavy de escalation training. And now that I've worked in the, I like there's a lot of houseless people near the bar I work at. We've had obviously drunk people. We've had. Um, just fights break out and things like that. Not often, but like it's it's enough to where I recognize there's such a huge importance to de-escalation. Yeah. Also, end qualified immunity. Bullshit. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Oh, I forgot to ask Donna. How are you doing this evening? Oh, Coco. I think our listeners have a good idea of how I'm doing, but I will let you know after this brief break. <laughs> it's a podcast with Coco and Donna. Tell a podcast. Tune into what they tell you podcast with Coco and Donna tell a podcast. Coco, I am feeling a bit overwhelmed by the state of the world. <laughs> but as we'll see in this next half of our episode, I think we do have some things to look forward to in the future. Yeah, I think um change is coming yeah change is definitely coming i so i i don't remember how much we touched on this in our last episode but texas recently made it to where um it's illegal to get an abortion after seven weeks i believe is what it was mm -hmm. um which i think is horrible it's archaic because most women well a lot of articles online said that most women don't even know they're pregnant um in that amount of time or even if you think about it like Think about it this way. Five weeks. Let's say yeah. that you find out you're pregnant at five weeks. Are you telling me that a woman who has to go through the, or a person who can carry a child, has to make a decision within two weeks about what they're going to do for the rest <sighs> of their life? Even at three. It's, it's ridiculous. It's so anti-woman. It's so, like, it's so, like, in the eyes of, like, something out of Handmaid's Tale. It feels mm -hmm. like Texas is Gilead now with a law like that. It, it feels very archaic. It feels like they're trying to make Texas a theocracy. And it's ridiculous, you know? We've talked about separation of church and state since we were kids in our classes, but they are really letting religion govern their state by yeah. having something like this. And and not even not even actual, like, if you were to look at the Bible and actually see, there was, did you know that there's, like, evidence that there was, like, teas used to end unwanted pregnancies or, like, herbs that were used oh, way back in that. the day for, for religious people to end unwanted pregnancies? And they're doing shit like this. It's this weird, mashed-up American idea of Christianity that has just been, like, so fucking perverted. Perverted, yeah. And it's uncomfortable. And it's yeah. uncomfortable, the fact that... I did see a meme today that somebody... And we all know this, right? But, like, the meme said, we don't want to take away the woman's choice to give the baby up for adoption. And I really I, I really like what that was trying to say because it's saying if you take away her options, like she might not make the right choice. Mm -hmm. Or at least, you know what they mean for pro life, like the right choice. Like telling a woman that she has to have a child 
also makes it to where it'll make her less likely to want to have one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially if you to- if you found out five weeks before. And they made the law to where, from what I understand, people can report you as well. Yeah. It's making it to where it... <sighs> And that's, like, fucking shit that they did during the Holocaust. Like, that's... It's, like, fascist shit. Like, you can report people for getting illegal... For getting abortions past the seven weeks. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's... What the fuck? That's really And there's incentives for reporting those people? Like, what kind of regime are we living in where where that is even, even allowed? And there's so many people that moved to Texas to try and make this blue wave happen because it was mm-hmm. almost going to happen in the last election. Right. Um, which, by the way, I mean, I'm so disenfranchised with Republicans and Democrats. Like, I, the two-party system is fucked. Yeah. But, like, there are so many people who come from multiple backgrounds. It's not all just, like, good old Christian white women and men that live in texas like there are so many people from so many different ideologies and backgrounds that live in that state i mean look at fucking austin alone like and these people are having these types of rules and laws forced upon them yeah i mean texas is a lot of black people live in texas too like a lot like beyonce's from texas yeah um it's just i i'm really surprised in this direction and i know that texas is very large like and I know that, so, like, when we look at the map about regions versus states and whatever, like, Texas does have a lot mm-hmm. of people who are Republican and conservative, when even if it comes down to regions. Yeah. And that's really disappointing to hear, because these things hurt people, like, in a way that, this is what kills me. Somebody's choosing with their partner to get an abortion doesn't actually hurt anyone else. Mm-hmm. When you think about that, like, isn't that how weird that is? Mm-hmm. That, like, somebody is voting on, especially men, especially gay men. Yeah. Like, voting on taking away a woman's right to choose when we don't ever have to carry a child. Well, cis gay men to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I think that that's horrible. And cis men also voting on that, I think it's horrible. But mm-hmm. when you really think about it, it doesn't actually hurt you specifically mm-hmm. or someone else to be getting abortion. Yeah. Especially if you're not the father. Yeah. Or the mother. Yeah. Like trying to be like trans inclusive on this podcast here, but you all know what I mean. It, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Women aren't the only ones that need abortions. And that is something that we do need to clarify too. Because we are a very inclusive podcast, and we try our best to to be that. But yeah, it's it's archaic. It's terrible. It it feels it's wrong. If yeah, and it's wrong. It's so wrong, and the, it makes the weight of the world feel even heavier with everything that's been happening. You know, um, you, you know. But having the funny thing is about having a child actually does take more, away more resources in a very overpopulated world. Yeah. Well, and here's the... Okay, so here is the bullshit, and here's the hypocrisy behind Christians that are pro-life and against abortion. They will have this guise of fighting for babies and fighting for these these defenseless children that don't have the ability to um to defend themselves for being the these um guardians of the ones that can't defend themselves when those children 
that are born come into the world, they vote for people who cut social service programs, who see the women who have these children, who see the people who have these children in a deeper cycle of poverty and a deeper cycle of not being able to provide for their kids, getting into a cycle where these children can be put into awful situations. But they choose to vote for these people that cut these programs to where these kids are not given a chance at life and have hardly anything, any opportunity because of that. So they're hypocrites because they stop caring about the kid as soon as they're born. They do. They... They do. I mean, we wouldn't have kids in cages if you really cared about children. Children. You call them babies, but we have babies in cages, too. Yeah. So, like, you... And then, God forbid, they're black babies. Good heavens. Yes. I don't give a crap right? about those. Like, it. it's so cheap to adopt a black baby. I know I talked about that on the podcast in one of the very, very early episodes. But I did look at how much it costs to adopt based on race. And, like, a black baby, you could, like in relation is like five bucks Mm -hmm. when like a white baby in comparison would be like three thousand (laughs) dollars like there was another law that i saw because texas is just you know such a glorious place these days that they are speaking of kids they are trying to go to the supreme court of the united states to basically get rid of a law that's been passed that made it to where there had to be a certain protocol for, like, social services to go in and take indigenous children away from their parents. Oh, my God. So it would basically make it to where if they if they did take this to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court that has more conservatives on it now um, found uh, that the law could be reversed, it would mean that it would make it easier for social services to go in and take indigenous children from their families and strip them of their heritage. Yikes. Basically. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Ugh. So oh, God. that's another thing that's going on there. Um, it hasn't been heard yet by the Supreme Court, but it is something that they're planning on doing. And it is awful. It's awful because... We saw what happened with all of these schools that were being uncovered around the U.S., these charter mm-hmm. schools where indigenous children were murdered um, and missing. And for years, either and if they didn't end up that way, their entire heritage was stripped from them. Right. Um, it's just another fucking thing. You know, it's just an, another thing that makes you realize that like so much of what we were taught was absolute bullshit and oh but don't get us wrong because we don't want to have critical race theory in school no exactly oh my goodness i just saw a post from some governor or something that just said or some educator who said critical race theory does not belong in schools and the biggest reason that they don't want it to be in schools is because they don't want white kids to feel bad i've never seen an argument other than they just don't want white kids to feel bad like or part they... of part of teaching critical race theory would help white kids understand that they are born into this world with a certain set of privileges and they could do better than their ancestors. And on top of the fact, then the other side of the argument that they try to say in public is like, well, no, like we're worried that um, doing that will make people will make even the black kids feel bad um, and feel like they're in an unfair America. And I'm just like, but they are in an unfair America. I don't that yeah yeah like they i think they should learn that early on Mm -hmm. um i think that that is really important and i think and they don't like to show our violence 
like our violence like even with um like our japanese internment camps mm-hmm. like they don't want to show our traumas that we've caused to lots of different people because chris critical race theory would have all of it yeah and that is dangerous for to have that's dangerous to white supremacy to educate black like bipoc youth about the crap that's happened to their ancestors mm. and even their parents like <laughs> you mean the truth you yeah. know yeah, it's, exactly. it's dangerous to let the truth out because, I mean, these are all things that as we grew older, we realized there were things that were wrong. I mean, obviously, the experience for a person of color is different from my own, but there were so many things that I was taught that I had to unlearn and white people as a whole need to unlearn yeah. because we were taught a lot of bullshit, you know, right. and and. It's, it's time to, to wake up and smell the roses. America is not this amazing, great nation that we were always told that it was. There's a lot of problems, and it's more patriotic to point out the flaws in your country and want better for it than it is to sit there in ignorance and think that we're the greatest. Yep. You know? It, I know, because we're not the greatest, because we stop being the greatest, because we like to hide our failures. Mm-hmm. Like, a great country is somebody that continually works on itself. Yeah. Not just keeps the status quo of the BS that people don't want anymore. Yeah. That's why people say dismantle the system or tear down the system and rebuild. Because people feel like it's too far gone. Yeah. People much smarter than the both of us have been trying for many generations to work within the system to change it and do better. And there have been some strides. Mm -hmm. But, like, my favorite abolitionist said, like, when people said, are you more of an MLK um, or are you more a Malcolm X? And she said, it doesn't, I don't really give a fuck. They both died anyway. Yeah. Like, and I was just like, wow, that's, it's a really powerful phrase. Yeah. Um, they both died fighting for what was right. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter who was right or who was wrong. Cause they both died anyway. It was, yeah. Because at that point there, they were trying to like critique their methods. Right. Yeah. Like peaceful protest versus. Yeah. Yeah. And like. The thing is, I am kind of getting on the side of where you need to tear down the whole system and rebuild, because there's just I'm no totally way. I'm totally on board with that. There's just no way to get it done right now anymore. Yeah, there isn't. There isn't. I do want to put a little cherry on top of this shit Sunday that is um, America lately, um, and I know we had. There's we've said a lot of negative things about this country because it, it is overwhelming ex- ex- our existence right now i feel like for anyone is overwhelming yes existing is overwhelming yeah uh, we're at the point where you know the rent moratorium is going to be ending soon too yeah and the eviction sorry the eviction moratorium you know, it's so weird about that not to interrupt but like a lot of the programs that were built for covid are ending and like yeah. the government's just like Meh. Uh, well, sorry. Go ahead and take care of yourselves. They're like, well, we have everything open. You should be fine. You should be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. Not to mention, you know, like all of the social anxiety this pandemic has caused, and all the social issues. Um, you know, the fact that half the country still doesn't really fully believe in this thing, um, and and won't get vaccinated. You know, like that's another thing. So, you saw the viral video of the woman coughing in the supermarket. Yes, I did. Yeah, that one. So angry. They're getting her fired from her job, which I think for assholes like that, that is deserved. If you're going to be an asshole in public like that. Sorry, I've been cursing a lot this episode, but I am, I'm just kind of pissed about the state of the world. And I, I do want to talk about, though, that 
astrologically, if you want to believe in any of that stuff. We are ending this current age of religious control and going into an an age of more free-thinking ideas. So we're entering the age of Aquarius. The full transition into the age of Aquarius will end in 2024. And this is going to see a powerful shift to strong, intuitive, feminine leadership as opposed to the kind of hierophanical leadership that we've had in the past. And I think it's something that we need. I am sad that we're only starting in the age of Aquarius and I won't live to see through a lot of these changes because it is a 2000 year period that this will be happening. But we really are going to be into a world of exchanging new ideas and seeing a lot of these old systems collapse and new ideas kind of being rebuilt because that is kind of what Aquarians are known for is like this radical change. It's it's that we're they're known for, you know, bringing about new fresh ideas and really making sure that there is substantial social change and working together and exchanging these ideas. Mm-hmm. And it's what we need right now. We right. need we need newness. We we need to stop doing things because that's how we've always done it i say fuck tradition it needs to go out the window because obviously it's not working for us and um there are some huge astrological events that'll be happening it's very volatile um in the next coming like six to eight months our astrology so i i feel i kind of feel it in my bones that something big is coming and that there are going to be there's going to be some catastrophic changes coming soon, I'm hoping. Um, but just know that it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a mm. lot of work, and it's not. It's going to be a long time to work towards a better life for all of us, but it's it's I it's coming. It just may not be coming as quick as we all want it to. Mm. That's good. I mean, that's, that's positive to a degree, yeah. Yeah. And I think that... Uh, one thing that I've noticed, too, about 2021 is we actually have a lot of bad things happening this year, too. Like, we have wildfires, mm-hmm. uh, you know... What climate, change. climate change. Climate oh, change. Climate change is going to kill us. Yeah. Um, it's just true. And um, in the next, like, 10 years. <laughs> yeah. But um, as we move forward, try not to end it on a negative note. As we move forward, like, just try to do your part. Yeah. Listeners. Make the world a better place in any way you can for social issues, for environmental issues. We want to be around here a long time. We understand that climate control is burning us alive, but at mm-hmm. the same time, we can do things to help, like, you know, make the world better. So we yeah. should do that. Leave this world a better place. I think it says a lot about people who go out and plant trees in an effort to leave the world better for the future generations. Yeah. You know, people who who do things like that, that want to see future generations, even though this being that you are right now won't be here for that. You want to see other people thrive because you want better than what we had. And I think that's something that we all need to recognize. We need to stop holding on to these rigid beliefs and open up our minds to new possibilities that could help us all out. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then also one more note, like if you don't believe in astrology, that's all cool. I just want to say for me, it is a belief system. It is a, an idea that I really think is um, constant and strong. It has been in ancient civilizations for eons, and there's always been a form of astrology and the stars are the most consistent thing and constant thing that we've had around us. So that's the reason why I bring it up. And I, I hope that if you do have any kind of shred of like, 
belief in that direction, or even if you're a skeptic, that that's hopefully something positive that you can hold on to as we're going through a lot of these hard times. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, listeners, that brings us to the end of our episode. Yeah, thank you for listening to us. We were both pretty passionate. I feel like we have to be, and we appreciate you. This has been another episode of HM of a Secret Podcast. The hosts of HM of a Secret Podcast are Donatella My Secrets and Coco Jim Holiday. You may follow Donatella My Secrets at Donatella underscore My Secrets on Instagram. You may follow Coco Jim Holiday at Coco Jim Holiday on Instagram. Original music by Touche Douche and Party Favors. You can follow them respectively at The Touche Douche and at Party Favors Music on Instagram. For more exclusive content, visit www.ajemofasecretpodcast.com. That is A-J-E-M of a secret podcast.com. Be sure to tune in every week on Thursday for a new episode wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any comments or questions, email us at ajemofasecretpod at gmail.com. Please don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.